0: Turn with me over to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. The title of my message is 40 years of preparation for greater. 40 years of preparation for greater. Deuteronomy chapter 8, looking at verses 1 and 3, 1 through 3. Moses is speaking and writing, and he says, All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Three, he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Father, help us as we study your word. Two things I want to talk to you about. One, a reiteration of God's word and his ways, and then a remembering of the way the Lord led the Israelites. Here we sit at 40 years, and Moses was at, was at a real pinnacle time. He'd already heard from God that he was not going in the Promised Land. He, he made a mistake, and rather than speaking to the, to the rock, he hit the rock. And as a result, the Lord said, you're not going in, and Moses pled with God. I mean, just cried and hollered and screamed. That's my paraphrased version, but it had to be so so unusual and persistent that God said this, stop talking to me about this. Now, generally speaking, God wants us to pray. But he told Moses, shut up. Don't talk to me about this anymore. Because Moses said, you know, one mistake, God, one mistake, I can't get in, let me in. I've been with these people. I've been with these people. They don't even like me. They tried to stone me a couple of times. You're going to be mad at me for being mad at him? You, have, you wanted to kill him. Remember that? I mean, these are the things. These are the things I know he had conversation with God about because he wanted to step in. And the Lord said, no, you did not regard me as holy. And so now he's giving the second, the second generation, a reiter, a, a, an iteration of the law, letting the generation of people who were going to go in the promised land understand what they needed to do. That's what Deuteronomy means. Second giving of the law. First generation has passed away. Now, even though there is great, great import of this passage for us in that they had been in the wilderness for 40 years, uh, the difference is that the first generation didn't make it with the second. I'm going with you. We have transferred all of the authority for our congregations to the second generation, and I am happy that has happened. They are doing a fabulous job, especially in the Chantilly world where we have given all the major things. Everything that is Grace Covenant Church Chantilly is now being run by other people. They just tell me, you need to show up here and do this. I oversee their lives and pastor them, but they're running everything and doing a fabulous job. And the beauty is this. That there's nothing about the first generation that has blown it so bad that we have been disqualified from entering into that which God has called us to possess we are called to do something special in this city and if you get nothing out of this moment other than the fact that God has called you to help win this city through your life and ministry not just through a pulpit not through an extraordinary moment of worship, but through your life and ministry as you go about your daily activities. If you only get that, you got enough from this weekend. I want you to feel the burden like I do. There's 6.8 million people here that need to be touched by the gospel. They need Jesus. Their lives have fallen apart. They're confused. They don't know who they are or how they got here. And they need to understand the purpose for which God has placed them on the planet. Not just for productivity, but for identity. They are made in the image of Almighty God, and he's got a really good blueprint about what that looks like. It's found in his Bible, and they need to read it and understand it and gain from that who they are and what they're supposed to do. And they are not all coming through the front door of the church. I want them to, but they're not. A bunch of them are. That's how you got here but since they're not we got to go we can't just say to them come please consider yourself when you walk out the door today a missionary a person who is responsible to take this gospel into all of your world and preach it teaching them everything they need to know about who he is and letting the environment be that which baptizes them in his presence We're going to make it together, and I plan to live a long time to be with you. I don't know how long it's going to take us to accomplish the goal of seeing this city won, but I'm going to do my best to breathe as long as I can until we see the goal accomplished. And I am so excited about the second generation because they have taken everything that we have left them and done better with it. Moses realized, I'm not even going to be able to watch what you do. You must take what I'm telling you now and hold on to it. And I'm going to to minister this message back to front. So we're going to go to the the second part and let it be first. A remembering of his ways. Our brain needs to work whereby we understand what God has done because what he has done is always prepped for what he will do. The disciples. Jesus had said, beware of the, the, the leaven and the bread of the, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of it. And then they started talking to one another saying, dude, did you, did you bring the bread? It ain't my week. I, I was supposed to go. You were supposed to go to giant. I, it's not my, not my time. That's your job. No, no, no. I was last week. Who forgot the bread? He's talking about other... And Jesus said, why are you arguing amongst yourself about bread? Do you think if I was hungry, I'd ask you? (laughs) Don't you remember the five loaves and two fish? I don't need your stuff. Why are you forgetting what I did when it applies to what is going to happen? Their memory, selective amnesia. The Lord wants us to use what he did yesterday as a foundation for what he will do tomorrow. And so many of us, when we come to the next, the next big obstacle, our first response is, ha! It, it, it's it, 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 like surprise. This, like a, like what, what Peter says, don't be concerned if some strange thing is happening to you when you encounter a trial. This is normal. We are not to be surprised when the next tough thing Comes our way. We are to say, oh, 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 oh okay, okay. I, 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 I didn't plan for it. I, I, I didn't recognize it was coming, but now that it's here, I remember that this is no, no big hill for my God. He just fixed stuff yesterday. And so I'm going to begin to apply my faith to what He's going to do later. Now, that's just stupid. It's an alarm that tells me to pray, so. <laughs> it's a prayer meeting for the patriarchs that we got on a regular basis that lets me know, okay, call, get on the call. Remember how he has led you, how he took you to a place where he tested your hearts to find out what was in the in, on the inside. I can't tell you over 40 years how many times God has tested me. And I've been found wanting on a number of occasions. It's not so much that I didn't believe him, I just didn't want to go through what he wanted me to go through. I can't remember ever ever saying, I'm not going to go into the land because of the giants. I, I, I do remember saying, Can you help me calculate better about how to approach them? I may not have rushed in as quickly as I should have, but I got to the point where at least I was facing these things. And and many times I lost. I've experienced much more failure than success in my ministry. God has taught me so many things about disappointment and goal acquisition. And that my, my soul, when I was younger, always wanted to judge whether I was worth being on the planet and sucking up air on the basis of my progress. I knew I was supposed to identify with God more. But it's hard for men to do this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go as far as to call it a flaw. Because when God made Adam, the first thing he did after he finished was said, now get in the garden and work. And so his creation is so tied to his work that it's hard for a man to separate his identity from what he does. It's hard, and I'm talking about a man. I'm talking about gender man. It is hard. When a man loses his job, he loses a piece of his identity at some point. When a woman loses her job, and I know I'm being very generalistic, when a woman loses her job, she says, okay, let's go to Indeed. I lost my job. (laughs) When a man loses his job, am I worth anything? what am I? Who am I? I'm supposed to work. I don't understand life. I'm being overly simplistic and probably a little bit hyperbolic, but I'm not wrong. And so I was always trying to figure out how do I gauge Brett's worth on the basis of his progress? And God would continually let me fail so that I could find him and not just be satisfied with goal acquisition, continually. And then he would really play with me. He'd give it to me six months later when I didn't want it. (laughs) Here you have it now, but I'm not interested. That's why I'm giving it to you now. Because you wanted it so bad that you, you felt it was going to be that which would make you feel better about life, and I needed to wean that out of you so that you wanted me more than it. I'm just going through a little bit of soul searching with you about what it means for me to watch how God tested me. And then it says he also allowed people to understand something about how he tested them with respect to provision. It wasn't just their heart. They had to to figure out, okay, is, is God going to give me what I need when he's called me out into this place? Is he going to provide in a way that allows me to survive and get to the next day well? The Lord has been so gracious to us us in provision. Listen, the 33 locations in which we met before we found our home in Chantilly, I'm grateful for every one of them. There wasn't a day, by the grace of God, where I complained about where we weren't. There were days that I lamented about where we weren't, but I didn't complain. My buddy Tim, Pastor Tim, he started his church in 1987. We started in '82. Pastor Tim, w- when did you, when did you get the building in Heightsville? Say it again. I don't know. <laughs> now that tells you a lot, because I know every day. You tell me when we moved into our building. August 12th, 2007, we had our first service in Chantilly. Why? Because it took so long! He doesn't know because it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) All my friends, Of them started later than me, got a building earlier than me. And I just realized, oh, I'm so happy for you, Pastor Tim. It's just wonderful. Oh, yeah, pray with me about this, Pastor Brett. Yeah, I'll pray about your new building. <laughs> hmm. You want to know what a friend sounds like? When we moved into our new building, we started our campaign. My buddy showed up with a $100,000 check. (laughs) I know he's mad at me for telling that. (laughs) But he knew what I'd been through. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And when I say accountability partner, we're like, we're like every six weeks for the last 40. That's what we do. I never complained, but I lamented, Lord, I feel so feel like a failure because I can't give my people a home I don't know what he tested me and he always provided though those 33 locations for provision they were like our manna in the wilderness at least we had some place to meet so I was happy well (laughs) I was content And when we got into our new facility, um, nobody had more joy than me. Nobody had more joy than me. And, and I don't trust in buildings for growth. I don't, I don't think buildings are a key to anything. There are pastors that have them that are trying to sell them. And there are pastors that don't that are trying to buy them. So the building is not the key. The key is God in it and the people. And I, listen, I, please don't clap. I don't have time. <laughs> the fact that we were able to grow without having a home in 33 different locations is, is a testament to Almighty oh God. We should have been in the grave. Somebody been, should have been playing taps over us a long time ago. But he helped us through our wilderness. And so I remember my memories is long in this area. I remember the way he led us and tested. And then he uses that as a foundation, though he speaks about it second, he uses that as a foundation to talk about the first. As he's reiterating the commandments, know that these things are things you must do. What? I, now, Somebody take this from me. (sighs) Things you must do. He said, the things that I've told you, you need to live by. The things that I've told you help you multiply and the things that I've told you help you possess. God has given us life. We don't deserve it. We deserve death. We were sinners. We had violated the commandments of God and the consequence ought to be that we don't breathe anymore. But he has allowed us the privilege of knowing Christ Jesus, understanding what the cross means to us, letting him be the substitutionary benefit for our death and we accepting and receiving his life. We have life and not just life that is salvation. It's not just salvific. It's a kind of life that guides us here. It lets us know that the presence of God is with us every day, not just that which gets us to heaven. It lets us understand that we can live at a higher level. Peter says, you have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness now. There is not an answer for any problem in the world that's not found in the Bible. Not an a- listen, God has an answer for everyone. We just need to find it. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to breathe life into the words that we find in print. Living this Bible every day of our lives, allowing His Word to infuse and invigorate all the things and duties that we must accomplish daily. Being an excellent husband, being a great dad, an excellent friend, all of those are governed by the best practices found in the Bible. Life comes through you when you begin to adopt the principles that are found in Scripture. It's just not that the the mundane and ordinary obedience and dutiful uh, uh, compliance. Life ought to flow through you. All of us have been to congregations where the Word is taught. But you know the difference between it being read and being imparted. You know the difference between a tradition and life being given from it. You feel it, and this is what we are called to do. He said, these words have given you life. Secondly, they've helped you multiply. Like, wow, we've got a congregation with Pastor D. Han Lee in in Los Angeles, California. He was here last night. He flew in, had to go back because he had some stuff to do. But we sent him out eight and a half years ago, L.A., He's got six, 700 people out there doing great. Multiply. We've also had some grandkids. Pastor Donald Jones planted Pastor Daryl Morrison in Phoenix. Pastor Donald Jones came from us. Phoenix is like a grandbaby. We had a church plant a church. And then Pastor Keith, Keith Tower and Jennifer in Orlando, they've got some works in St. Thomas and St. Croix. Yeah, y'all figured out, how can I go see those grandkids? (laughs) Orlando, Pastor Tim and Lachelle Johnson. We really can't take credit for that because Bethel and Nashville really did it, but we participated in the process. But those people, Tim and Lachelle, are us. They came from us. Say that again, Tim. Amen, that's right. They are us, they came from us, and I'm their pastor. Charlottesville, Virginia. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina with the, 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 the Perkins. Like, wow, they just had their first anniversary and I was there preaching. Just fabulous. <laughs> Denver, Colorado, they had their first anniversary. Both of these churches were planted in COVID. Like, good strategy, Brett. <laughs> we didn't know what was going to happen. We planted them in 19 and then COVID hit and they had to wait. Denver's doing great. Both of these congregations survived. Multiplication. D.C., two congregations. Pastor Steven and Pastor Donnell Jones. <laughs> They're doing great, just doing great. I said don't clap. We have Pastor Victor has two congregations, two, two Latino congregations. We, we, we have a congregation over in, 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 in Vietnam planted by a Vietnamese that was won in this congregation in 1983 as a student at George Washington University. We partnered with Manila, our victory church there, to help plant that church in Vietnam. And then we've got our Korean congregation <laughs> Pastor June and Sarah, like, <laughs> oh gosh, did I forget anybody? That's a good thing, huh? Sterling! We got Sterling! Certainly, 12 miles north of Pastor Eddie and Mary, they're like, "Wow, they got a brand new building, y'all!" It's really good when you have so many children, you forget the names. (laughs) My point is, we multiply, and then lastly, he says, "You live, you multiply, and you possess." For as long as we could not get buildings, the Lord somehow or another opened up the will of facility wombs. That's really bad, isn't it? I I, I should have chosen a different word for that. But Chantilly began the process of us acquiring property where it was so hard to do so in in the past. We have Washington, D.C. and Brooklyn with Pastor Donald Jones building. GCC Capitol Hill, building. Sterling, building. Chantilly, building. Every ward of Washington, we need to have facilities. And as I close, let me tell you about a building that's really neat. I mean, all those are neat. But we bought a piece of property on Massachusetts Avenue. We were looking for buildings, and we found some church buildings, but they were within our price range, but to fix them up, to repair them, to refurbish them, because they were old. We're talking about 150 years old. It would have to double the price. We said, that's too much money. My realtor came to me and said, Pastor, there's some other facilities that you might want to look at. You really can't do Sunday morning in them, but you can do Bible studies. You can start things there with prayer meetings. You, you can have uh, all kinds of teaching and instruction. I said, show it to me. There's a building on, on Massachusetts Avenue, 2230 Massachusetts Avenue. If you know anything about that neighborhood, it's called Embassy Row. We bought a building on Embassy Row. Without going into all the details, we got it at a great price, great price. Everybody who was signing on the dotted line was happy, amazing. We have equity. It, It appraised for more than we bought it for. Why did we buy that? When you go to, 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 to malls, you'll see anchor stores. Anchor stores are the big ones like Macy's or Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom's. And th- they're unique because they provide, if all of them, you count them together, somewhere around 40% of the income of the entire mall. Then you've got these stores on the inside that are smaller. And they're needed, but they, if they leave, the mall's not going to die. If the anchor stores leave, the mall will die. The smaller stores, they have one door in and one door out. Abercrombie and Fitch, one door in, one door out. And, but the anchor stores, they have doors all around. You can get to the anchor inside the anchor store from the garage, from the parking lot, From the mall, lots of ways to get inside to experience everything that is Nordstroms. The kingdom should be. Just take that, just take it, just take it, just take it, just take it. (laughs) Technology devil, that's what that is. (laughs) And don't say user error, it ain't me. Lots of ways to get in, lots of ways kingdom is big and the kingdom ought to have many ways to get in now the primary way the most effective way the most complete way is the church I believe in it I love it it is my first priority all the time but there are some people who are not coming through the front door of the church namely some of the leaders of the city diplomats business people people who would consider themselves movers and shakers they're really not coming through the front door of the church I said Lord I have to reach all of Washington not just folk who are like me, but there are people who need you that are coming through my front door. We bought this, this, this building in order to reach our neighbors that happen to be sent here from other countries so that we might serve them well. And all I can say is this, we've barely started, but it's going great because I know how to reach my neighbors. To the right of us is Greece. To the left of us is Egypt. Next door is Ireland. To the right of Greece is Togo. We're having a reception. We've got some employees that are working this thing. We've got a reception whereby people are coming to our building on October 6th in order to receive our hospitality so that they can understand what it's like for the kingdom to serve them. Are you listening to me? we have created another door through which somebody might be able to come into the kingdom. And I can't tell everything because you can't expose who and what. But all I can say is I rarely get really happy, but I am now. God's moving in extraordinary ways in the nations. And from Massachusetts Avenue, we're going to touch the world. God has given us possessions, but there is so much more to possess, so much more. I beg you, think big. We have only just begun. What he has done in the last 40 pales in comparison to what he wants to do. And I want everybody within the sound of my voice to feel the burden to help us see Washington one, one congregation in every ward and unique ways of reaching people who may not come through the front door. God's given us this burden. I'm happy for the inconvenience. Join with me. Help see the kingdom advance over these next 40. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and grace. Inspire us so that we can be what we need to be for the people you want us to be it to. Thank you for giving us this vision. Help us to fulfill it, I pray. If there's anybody this evening who has yet to give their heart to Christ, maybe you've made a decision in the past and your life doesn't look anything like what a believer's ought to be. Today is a great day to make it right. Raise your hand high if that's you. Anybody at all, I see those hands. I see those hands. Bless you. If you're online watching, here's a great opportunity to get right with God. Come home. He made you. He knows how you ought to be, how you ought to function. And all he wants to do is set the... Set the, the, the navigating, the compass right in your soul so you know the direction in which to go. If you raised your hand, pray with me. Say this, say, Father in heaven, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I've lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, there will be some people down here who can talk to you if you're online. All you got to do is go to the bottom of the chat box, check the box, say, I raise my hand. Somebody will be in contact with you. Church, let's get this. Let's do this. We can do this. If you got right with God today,